The day is October 12th, 2005, and after podcasting for about six months, I started my second podcast, and it sounded something like this. It's the School of Podcasting's Morning Announcements. Here's Dave Jackson. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the very first installment of the School of Podcasting's Morning Announcements. Yeah, one of the things we talk about at the School of Podcasting is your first podcast typically stinks. Yeah. So that makes this episode 800 and I will be doing what I've done on every 100 episodes, and that is I'm going to kind of break format and do something a little different. So before I do that, I do have some things I really want to mention here up front. That is, I have what I feel is a really important question of the month. I need your answer by November 26th, 2021. This month's question is, how long does it take you on whatever episode you're recording to go from idea to clicking publish on your media host. And the more specific you can can be, the better. Instead of like, well, it's typically this or that, I don't know, kind of like this and that. I appreciate that, by the way, and I do want that if that's all you have. But if you can actually take something to kind of really pay attention, I've been using a website called Toggle, T-O-G-G-L. It's free. And again, I need that by November 26th. And of course, I want you to tell me about your podcast and the website where I can find it. So if you're looking for some free exposure, that's a good way to get it. And then we'll all learn together and maybe set some expectations. We're going to be talking about that today, expectations. And I do want to remind you that if you're new to podcasting and you've actually recorded something and you're ready to take it public, Well, then you're ready for a media host, and I would love for you to use the coupon code SOPFREE at Libsyn.com. And no ladies today. I gave him the day off. I know. You're like, is he ever going to say hit it, ladies? No. No. I'm, I'm here to tell you. We're breaking the format. Here, can somebody hand me the format? And there we go. I'll have that back together by next week. And if you are new to the show, feel free to listen to any of the other 799 episodes. I am Dave Jackson. I have been podcasting since 2005. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com, and you can use the coupon code LISTENER to sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. But this is an episode where I'm kind of going outside of the box. Usually I talk about things like gear and growing your audience and marketing, and interviews of people that are having success. And here is what we're going to talk about today. And I get the feeling this might be a good episode, or it's going to blow up, but isn't that kind of always the case? Because I've had not one, but two bowls of Kellogg's Raisin Bran that I affectionately know is my comfort food. And when all of a sudden it's a quarter to midnight, and I'm like, why am I in the kitchen? It's like, oh, because I'm nervous about recording this episode. And here's what has inspired this just to to kind of peel back the curtain i know i always preach nobody cares how the sausage is made unless you're doing a podcast about podcasting and sometimes they want to crawl inside my head know what inspired this but i talked about last week where i had a, a voicemail from somebody it was 10 minutes long and they were saying that sometimes maybe we're not so accurate about how we talk about podcasting and he was talking about how long it takes to make one, hence the question of the month. 
And on another show I do called Ask the Podcast Coach, I briefly, and I mean very briefly, mentioned some things about mental health and some things that I've been going through. And she was like, that was awesome. More people should talk about that. So if you combine those two, the little chocolate and peanut butter, we're going to talk about mental health in podcasting. And I'm going to share some things because if you think about it, if we look at Facebook, just because why not choose or whatever it's called now, meta, meta. Yeah, sure. That's going to solve all your problems. Just change the name. And uh, everybody on there is like, hey, I just made it to a thousand subscribers or look, my kid is a honor student or look, I got a new job or look, I got it. Nobody's in there going, hey, guess what? Uh, my daughter needs braces. Hey, guess what? Uh, my hours got cut at work. It, it doesn't seem like we really share all the the fun things of, of life while we're on there. So I thought, well, I've talked about how podcasting can change your life because it does. It really does. And, and what I mean by that is either you're going to have a podcast that you're going to enjoy and you're going to meet like-minded people like you and it can grow and flourish, or you're going to find out that, you know what, I I thought that was going to be fun, and it's not. Can I give you an example of something already? This week, I was at PodFest in Tampa Bay, so if you're looking for someone to talk podcasting at your event, I'm all up and for that, and number one, I was super nervous because I wasn't talking in the podcast world. I was talking in the blockchain world about how you can set up your show to receive Bitcoin. It doesn't cost you anything, by the way, to do that. Uh, I'll have a link in the video out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 800. And I was in a room of people that knew so much more than I did about blockchain. And you know what? Can I say this? Am I? Hey, we're breaking the format. I nailed it. I felt I nailed it. I had people laughing. I had people learning. And the next morning when I came down into the lobby of the hotel, I basically held another little mini summit with people asking questions. And they said, wow, you did really, really good. So that was kind of cool. But here's the thing. Sometimes we're worried about stepping outside of our comfort zone. In that case, it was. But the other thing, here's another story. I was walking back to my hotel and I went by. In some cities, they have these scooters. They're little electric scooters. And I said to myself, well, if I ride one of those, because it was like a mile to the hotel, it wasn't that long. And I, I thought hey, I could walk and, and get some good exercise. And then my brain went, or I could ride a scooter. And I went, uh, Dave, you know, you're not 23 uh, anymore. And uh, and I went, you know what? I'm either going to break my neck or or have a great story or, or both. You never know. And so uh, I did. I fired up the, the uh, scooter. And to make a long story short, almost got killed twice. It was great fun. And so... When you start a podcast, it's kind of like that. It, you're either going to end up with a great podcast or a great story of just how bad you went up in flames, maybe, or maybe the fact that it was wrong timer or things like that. So we're going to talk about this today, about some of the negative things, like what are the the things that I go through? Because the thing, and I, I was humbled at this. I sat in on some sessions, as many as I could, at PodFest, and in a couple uh, people kept pointing to me and going, you know, I've heard about this on Dave's show, and it's it's interesting. Boy, this sounds like, this just makes me sound like such a douchebag. Hey, everybody was referring me, but it was kind of like, wow, that's kind of cool. And consequently, everybody thinks that 
everything just falls my way because I'm the Dave Jackson. That's what they say, not me. And I thought I would point back that, and again, here's the other thing. Here's the other side. If I point out some negative things, people are like, you're not embracing your white privilege, man. And so I acknowledge my privilege. I can only talk about me, though. So can we kind of like just, I just wanted to share some reality today of podcasting. And so the first one I thought I would share is how podcasting is probably, and it's not probably, I don't know to the extent, but it's partially responsible for ruining my second marriage. It had uh, that, meaning my, my second marriage, had many conversations about my podcast. It turns out that while I was uh, podcasting, I put myself through college again. This was the second time. And I started the school of podcasting to attempt to earn some money quickly. So step number one, do not start a podcast to earn money quickly. We'll talk more about that, but it didn't work back then and it definitely doesn't work now. And so my fiance at the time assumed that I was going to cut way, way back on my podcast once we got married. And while I did cut back, we had a little bit of a miscommunication on exactly how much I was going to cut back because she thought I was going to cut back apparently to zero. And so lesson number one, have realistic expectations and always communicate to all involved so everyone is on the same page. So I am going to tell you some negative things here, but we're also going to learn together. And if this sounds like you, this is a red flag. Have you ever heard this? Hey, honey, I'm going to go check my email. I'll be back real quick. It'll take, I don't know, 15 minutes. And then you come out 90 minutes later. Does that sound familiar to anybody? If that's you, I'm here to tell you, yeah, you got a problem. Because I would say that to my ex-wife on a regular basis, and I did that on a regular basis. And to her credit, she never punched me in the face. Uh, And this led to credibility issues because I didn't do it on purpose, but uh, I was losing my credibility so that when I'd say, hey, I'm going to go check my email for 15 minutes, she's like, yeah, I'll see you in two hours. And so consequently, uh, my wife and I entered marriage counseling, and really it was about six months after we were married. Uh, one of the things we did say, and I'm, I'm kind of cautious here because I do not want to throw my ex-wife under the bus, so please realize this is my side of the story, and I just explained how I kind of threw myself under the bus there. So I'm, I'm going to try to be, she, she's a fine person. Uh, we are divorced. I actually went to her marriage when she got married again, which is a fun little exercise to go through. So please keep that in mind. And I'm keeping her name out of it. So anyway, one of the things we did as we have, uh, as we did have an open discussion on how much time I needed to podcast, we just sat down and she's like, look, we got a problem here. Like how much time do you need in a week to podcast? And it was a very, open. It was like, well, can I do this? Can I, she's like, well, and we, we both agreed that it would be Tuesday evening after I got out of my job. I was teaching at the time and then Saturday mornings until she woke up. So if you ever wonder why I started a podcast called ask the podcast coach at 1030 in the morning. Uh, yeah, my wife wasn't up yet. And that's why I did that. Now, the other thing I did is I also spent some money to rent an office Uh, So I could actually have a physical separation of home. So when I was home, I was home. And when I was at the office, I was doing the podcast stuff. Keep in mind, if you go, oh, that's a good idea. 
when you have an office, you know that whatever $69, $89 deal you get for your internet because it's at home. When you're a business, it's like double that. And I was like, no, no, it's it's kind of like a secret, like, you know, uh, bedroom. It's just down the street. And they're like, we don't care. It's still 200 bucks. And you're like, what? Uh, so, but I, I definitely now had separated work and home. And the thing I noticed here, and we're going to talk about this coming in maybe a future episode, not so much this one. I was hyper-focused when I was in that office. And I was never more productive in that time of my life ever. I would be, as I was teaching at work, if I had a break and I had some sort of idea for my show, I put it in Evernote. And when I went into that office, I was like head down going through it. Same thing on Saturday morning. I knew what I had to do. And I know I had a short amount of time to get it done. And I got it done. We also started having date nights where we would go out to dinner. Here's something, uh, ladies and gentlemen, right? Whichever one. Oh, that's the other thing I should say. I'm going to be talking about marriage here between a man and a woman because that's the only one I know. So I can't comment on any other one. So I'm not trying to exclude anybody. But here's a tip. If you have a date night, if you really want to have like, ooh, like take it to the next level, leave your car, leave your car, leave your phones in the car. Yeah, it's a tough one. I know. There's a little bit of like you walk away and your brain's going, oh, I must have dopamine. But leave your and actually talk to each other. I know it's a weird idea. But, uh, you know, we had we wouldn't bring the kids. She had three teenage kids. And um, the problem was on these date nights where we're there to spend each other time together, these often led to, shall we put up air quotes, discussions about a lack of time together. So here's a tip. If you want more time with your spouse, be the kind of spouse that they love to hang out with. And that typically is not someone who is spending the entire time together telling them how horrible they are. That Usually I'm like, you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to find somebody who just hates me and I'm going to spend my entire evening with them. So be the spouse your spouse wants to hang with. And after two separation periods, we were actually separated for a couple times, uh, and years, years of therapy, uh, we kind of finally agreed that maybe we should have dated longer. We had been dating uh, a long distance. We were an hour apart, and we only saw each other on the weekends. And it turns out it's really easy to get along if you only see somebody two days a week. So I thought I would – I've talked about this topic before, and I'm actually going to share some here because it's episode 800, and we don't have to talk about the normal stuff. And I think you're going to need this no matter who or what you are married to. And this is marriage advice from the divorce guy, because you see, I did mention that was my second marriage. Uh, And so here's the thing is I want to talk about when to argue, because you are going to argue. Number one, I would say always go to try to understand before being understood. So if somebody says a zinger at you, like they go, ah, well, and you're like, ooh, ah, hit them back with why did you say that? Try to understand before being understood. But the one that drove me nuts is you have to figure out when you're going to have a we-need-to-talk discussion because there are two times that this happens, and it, it really is not productive. One is 
you're getting your coffee and and they're doing their breakfast thing and you try to have a quick discussion before you go off to work. Well, a we need to talk discussion is typically not quick, which means somebody's going to be late for work. And that then, you know, or you're just completely distracted while you're at work. And then that kind of makes you frustrated and wacky and and a little uh, just right. You know what I mean by that? So don't do it in the morning. And then the other one is don't do it like when you crawl into bed and your spouse is like, oh, this feels so good. I'm so tired. Like, hey, I wanted to talk to you about something. No, not a good time to talk. So what happens then? You either force this person like some sort of like torture to stay up. And by the way, you're also staying up and you try to have this conversation and then you don't sleep good because you're angry at each other. And then what do you do? You try to finish the argument in the morning before you go to work. And we've already talked about how that doesn't work. So I'm just saying, if you need to argue, I think I would put it on the calendar 7 p.m. after dinner, maybe walk around the neighborhood, but don't get too loud because then the neighbors will be all freaky out on you. And again, I can only speak of my own marriage. I'm not trying to exclude anyone. Here's another tip. And I'm going to say gentlemen in this case again. There are times if your spouse is a female that she just wants you to listen. I know. I know. I don't. I know. It doesn't make any sense. And also they don't want you to fix it. They just want you to listen. I know. I don't. I'm just here to tell you it works. I've tried it. It works. And ladies, if you are married to a male, I know you feel like this person is your soulmate and he should know he should know what you need but guess what he's not a psychic and you're going to get much better results if you just tell him what you want because they're really good at following directions if you just tell him what he wants and then the other thing is double check and we're going to tie this into podcasting i might think you want to talk about gear. So I just create an episode about gear. And next week, we're going to talk about more gear. Here's some more gear. And then the next week, we do another one about gear. And I'm like, hey, it's a podcast about podcasting. We're going to talk about gear. And really, you're sitting there going, I, I really wish you would do an episode on how to grow your audience. And I did this with my, again, my second wife. And I would buy her roses every week because she loved yellow roses. And the one day, she said, you know, we would have a little more. Can we put up quotation marks here? fun. Do you know what I mean? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We'd have more fun if you ran the vacuum cleaner every now and then, to which I said, where's the Hoover? I think I told you that a couple weeks ago. But anyway, uh, in general, and I'm painting with a very wide brush here. I realize we're all different, but if we're, hey, let's just stereotype here for a second, shall we? It's fun. Women need to feel cherished and men need to feel respected. And when I would score some sort of podcasting success. Maybe I helped somebody launch who thought they never could or something went on. I would come out of my office on such a huge high. I was like, man, they did it. I, I knew they could do it and they're having success. And I, I just loved, as a teacher, you love to see your students flourish. And I was like, yes. And um, I, I think my you need to make sure that your spouse knows that being with them gives you the same feeling. And I failed miserably at this. I really did. And I can see why my wife was like, why are you not as excited about somebody getting into Apple as you are about being married to me? 
So that was a bad thing on me. All right. So that's, that's one area that it's not easy to be married in some cases and then have a podcast. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but here's another thing because we're, we're really talking about mental health here today. And I'm going to give you some examples of that. And one of them, and I, I talked about this probably a couple of months ago, that comparison is the thief of joy. It is. And I've mentioned that when people share their numbers in Facebook groups and they're like, hey, we just hit 2 million, uh, we need to remember three things. Number one, all podcasters. And when I say that, I mean all podcasters lie about their numbers. And number two, monthly stats and kind of weekly stats are somewhat deceptive because it's how many downloads you got that month, which could be for me, like my first episode that we just heard from 2005 still gets downloaded 16 years later. And that is in this month's stats. So your monthly stats are going to go up and down all over the place. It's really a barometer of how your back catalog is doing. That's, and people love to quote monthly numbers. Why wouldn't you? It's a bigger number. Look at me. I have a big number. Look at my numbers. And it's very, oh, yeah. So it's quite big. Yeah. And uh, the number we want to hear, if you're going to share them, is how many downloads did you get per episode after 30 days? That's the one that counts. And you'll notice most people don't share that one. And another third one here not everyone wants more downloads. And you're like, what? Yep, you heard me. Not everyone wants more downloads, but instead, what do they want? The right downloads. So I'll give you an example of this. I had, I want to say it was March of this year, probably. Uh, I could go back and look, but it doesn't really matter. But I had a month where my numbers went down a little bit. I checked my stats maybe once a week, definitely once a month, because if you stare at your stats, just in case you wondered about this, they don't grow. Looking at your stats does not make them grow. And I noticed where my monthly stats kind of went down a smidge. But the interesting thing was the number of people that signed up for the School of Podcasting went up. And so I say this to say there are many reasons to start a podcast. And in my case, I want you to join the School of Podcasting. I just told you how excited I get when I help people start a podcast. I love it. And that's really why I'm here. And if I get more students and less downloads, I could care less. I am succeeding. You have to know your why. So comparison is the thief of joy. I believe that was uh, President Roosevelt that said that. And I always advise people not to compare your show to others. We don't know what their schedule is. We don't know what resources they had or experience. And you're just not going to be on the same page as they are. You know, if this was golf, you have the men's tee and then the women's tee, which that needs to change, don't you think? I don't know. But anyway, the, the women's tee is way up ahead of the guys. And so you may not be hitting on the same tees. And so comparing your show to others can really mess up your attitude. And I mean, really. Now, how do I know this? Because it can, and occasionally still does, mess with my head. So when I talk about this stuff, in some cases, I'm talking about it from a first-person experience. Everybody and their brother right now is coming out with a podcast course. Everybody and their brother is now a podcast consultant, and I would be lying if I said it never 
bugs me. There are times when I see yet another person pitching podcasting. And in the thing that drives me nuts is in many cases, well, not many cases, in some cases, in my opinion, they're kind of given bad advice. And they blatantly prove that they don't know what they're doing. And what I mean by that is when they say, yeah, I need to upload my podcast to Apple. And if you are understanding podcasting, you don't upload things to Apple. And that drives me nuts because I sit there and think, wait, because they'll say, hey, can you help me with a client? And then they'll explain that they, you know, they'll say something that just proves they don't know what they're doing, which is why they're asking me. And there's a part of me that goes, wait, how do you have a client and I have to scrape for mine? It doesn't seem right. Now, when I do that and I start to feel the hair on the back of my neck stand up, I go, hold on a second. Because what, is everyone supposed to learn podcasting from me and only me? No, that doesn't make any sense. So how do I get out of this weird thing where I'm like, ah, what? Uh, There's another one. Uh, No, focus on your why. Why am I doing this? Why? Well, why am I doing this? Can I tell you? Let's talk about that. Why do I help people podcast? And this, again, is kind of an interesting story, and that's why we're doing it on show 800. There are a couple things here, and it's part of it is really, well, I feel it's stupid. You can help me decide. In the first grade, yes, the first grade, so 50-some years ago, I was sitting next to this guy named Mark. And to make a long story short, Mark had a birthday party and invited everybody but me, and I sat right next to him. And if I could go back in time, I want to be a fly on the wall to figure out, did Mark forget my invitation or did that little, did he just forget to invite me? But it affected me. Now, as any mom would, my mom called and got me in. But that kind of bugged me at the age of six. And it really wouldn't have mattered, except the next year in the second grade, Andrea, who was so hot as a second grader can only be, right? When you're, you know, you get how that, yeah. It, what was you're seven, so you have that puppy love thing going on. Yeah, Valentine's Day, where you you give a Valentine's to everyone, and I was dying to get a, a Valentine from from Andrea. Yeah, she gave one to everyone except me. So so year one and year two, I'm like, wow, I'm starting to think I need to bathe more or something. And you can't control other people. And look, I know, look, that was a long time ago. But I can't underestimate that that affected me then. And that applied. There were times, if if we flash forward to one more little story here, and again, I'm I'm not looking for, (laughs) I'm not looking for a pity party. But the, the point of this mental health discussion is we're all a little messed up. And Flash forward to about fourth, fifth grade, something like that. And my dad, when I was five years old, again, not looking for a pity party. My dad temporarily started being a long-distance truck driver when I was five. He quit his temporary job of being a long-distance truck driver when I graduated from college. So, wasn't a bad dad, just wasn't around. And one of the things that really bugged me, I remember this one, like going... Why am I on the outside again? 
and there was a thing at my church, and it was some sort of thing in the park, picnic, whatever, and they had a thing where it was a three-legged race for kids with their dad, and mine was not around. And so I got to watch from the sidelines, and I was like, this just sucks. Like, what is the deal that I'm always the kid on the outside looking in? And I remember that really bugged me, and it kind of, for lack of a better phrase, pissed me off, right? Woe was me. And if you're a regular listener to the show, you've heard me say that when I was growing up, I was painfully shy, and I'm pretty sure these events, and look, I realize we all have things that you know mess us up, but I think these were some of the things, and there were more, that really made me shy and just made me feel like that kid on the outside. But I remember that feeling. And so I think one of the biggest reasons I like to help people podcast is I, I run into people that maybe feel alone, maybe feel they're the only person who feels this way, or they have this unique niche that they want to talk about, and they're not sure if other people would like this. And I'm like, yes, trust me, there's a global audience. There's going to be somebody that's going to like your show. Now, it might not be 10,000 of them, but somebody's going to like your show. And so I think that's part of it. And that's why I podcast. I One of my favorite stories, I've told you this before, Marcy Rosenbaum called me and said, I want to start a podcast, but there's no way I'll ever do it because I hate technology and technology hates me. She called me later after I walked her through all the steps, baby steps, just to get her through, crying because she was in iTunes. And that put so much kind of gas in my tank. So when you find yourself in the wrong mental spot going, wait, what? There's another pot, right? And what are you doing? You're comparing yourself to others. It's stealing your joy. Focus on your why. Focus on your who. Focus on your what. Because you can't control or change other people, so you focus on the things you can control. And when you focus on your why, you focus on your who, you focus on your what, and you start giving people what they need, and they go, thank you so much, this was great, then you get your little dopamine kick, and life is good again. You don't. You can quit looking at other people. But I think that's part of it. I realize it's a long story, and I do laugh because I realize we're talking about things that happened before I was a teenager, but yet I remember them. So I wanted to take it a little further into the serious discussion. So I'm going to, I'm going to put a little disclaimer here. And that is, we're going to talk about serious mental health issues. And if for any reason that might trigger you, can you do me a favor and hit stop? Because I don't want to cause you any harm. But again, my idea here is I want to pull back the curtain and have a, 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 a grown-up discussion. And depending on, look, I just talked about things that happened to me when I was six. There are things that trigger you. And sometimes, even though you know that it was just silly or whatever, it's still there. You know, sometimes we work through things and apparently sometimes not. So, Does being a pro podcaster, and I don't even know what that means, to be honest with you. That's one of the things I've been kind of struggling with lately is like, what is an independent podcaster? 
Because if you think about it, Joe Rogan was an independent podcaster. Joe, before he joined Spotify, was not on a network. It was Joe. He had another guy that did his editing. And I think that was about it. So Joe was an independent podcaster, but had gazillions of downloads. So it's hard to figure out what is a an independent podcaster, what's a pro podcaster. Now, we do recognize those when we get to the end of them. And they're like, today's episode of the School of Podcasting was you know brought to you by, uh, or I'd like to thank my team, my, uh, you know, in charge of music, uh, Jimmy Smith, and in charge of uh, graphics, uh, uh, Sheila Howdy, except, and it goes on for like 27 minutes. And also uh, the assistant director of the director of the, what? Okay, that's a pro podcaster. So we do look at those people, especially when we find out, and kudos to people like Jordan Harbinger, who's been on the show, that just got a seven, seven, seven figure deal. That does not suck. But here's the thing that I'm, I'm starting to notice. When did the word hobby become a derogatory word? I'm starting to feel like if somebody goes, no, I'm just a hobby podcaster. Well, there's no reason for a just there. No, I'm a hobby podcaster. Say it loud. Say it proud. I'm a hobby and and I'm proud or something of that nature. I met Tim McGinnis, I believe is how you pronounce it. He does the Besties in Bed podcast with his wife in Tampa. Links in the show notes. And are you ready for this? This is crazy talk. Well, maybe not. Tim does it for, have you ever heard of this stuff? Fun. Yeah. Tim does his podcast with his wife for fun. And to the best of my knowledge, nobody is like broken into his house and, and, you know, arrested him. What are you doing? I'm, I'm arresting you for doing a podcast for fun. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah. It's a hobby. And consequently, because it's a hobby, he doesn't worry about his downloads. He doesn't obsess over his download numbers or his potential sponsors. You know why? Because he's doing it for fun. They did one episode about how their cat is a jerk. And someday, when they're sitting in their rockers, they're going to listen to the episodes, and they're probably going to go, oh, that was a good one about the kitty. I remember that. Oh, she's sleeping. Something, right? So as the guy, that would be me, who wrote the book Profit From Your Podcast, where you can get an autographed copy at ProfitFromYourPodcast.com, I want to remind you of something, especially in this episode about mental health, and that is you don't have to make money with your podcast. One more time, you don't have to make money with your podcast. I give you permission to do this just for the fun of it. I have a podcast like that. I have a couple that I do just for fun, and you're allowed to do that because... For some reason, I'm just, I, I've heard the phrase like, no, we're just a hobby podcast. I'm like, eh, there's no reason for the just there. It's okay to be a hobby podcast. And I realize that, you know, when we are kind of doing this as a business, we're promoting our products and our services and things like that. And we're all looking for advertisers. Why? I don't know. Because that doesn't work for about 90% of podcasters. It does not work. It means it only works about 10% of the time. But anyway. But this also means, by the way, if you're doing a hobby podcast, that you can take a break. We talked about that a couple episodes ago. And I hear the phrase, 
or, or I guess you could say you could use the phrase, hey, you know what? It's just a podcast. I'm going to take a break. And it's okay. Now, it's not okay to say it's just a podcast when you have someone who is busting their butt and they have a highly engaged audience and you ask some C-level celebrity, hey, would you like to come on my show? And their agent goes, eh, it's just a podcast. Okay, that's a little offensive. But if you're a hobby podcaster and you're just doing it for fun and it turns out you could go to your daughter's volleyball game or record and you go, ah, it's just a podcast. That is the correct answer. But we can be impulsive. That's actually kind of a skill we need because, you know, technology is going to throw us for a curve and it's nice to be able to kind of improv, but sometimes we're impulsive. I was impulsive this week. I was like, hey, there's a scooter. I should ride that. And I did. Luckily, I didn't kill myself. And at the event, we they had after parties, and then about six of us said, hey, why don't we do this other thing? Impulsive. And according to an article in Forbes, entrepreneurs, and I'm going to leave podcasters in that, have higher rates of attention deficit disorder and bipolar disorder. Uh, if you want to see if I have attention deficit disorder, <laughs> listen to me record an episode without bullet points. I have bullet points in front of me right now. And uh, if you, if I try to record without bullet points, I think my record is four times I recorded the same episode before I finally went, I should probably write down some bullet points here. And according to a study by a guy named Dr. Michael Freeman, who was a clinical professor at the University of California, uh, this is, I know, shocking, the University of California, it's in San Francisco. Uh, anyway, 30% of all entrepreneurs experience depression. Yeah, I was like, wow, okay. And what can be scary about being impulsive and depressed, especially if you have bipolar in some cases, is the act of committing suicide often happens just 15 minutes after the thought. Meaning somebody goes, oh, I hate myself, right? FML, and then they uh, grab something and do themselves in. So I say that to go, "Mm." the other problem with entrepreneurs and and podcasters is we're kind of isolated. I mean, one of the best side effects of podcasting is you will often attract people that are just like you, right? Your community finds you, and yet there are times when people in your support group, your family, your friends, they have no idea what a podcast is, and they have no idea why you're spending all this time investing in something that's not making any money. In other words, they just don't get it. And like you're the only person that gets podcasting. So you're trying to find your community, but your actual community doesn't get it. So you feel isolated. And we mentioned about comparing yourself to others, but there is humiliation. There's rejection, right? You ask somebody to come on your show and they go, no, or If you have set your expectations too high, you're like, look, I'm going to quit my job in six weeks. And then after six weeks, you go, wow, I'm getting 24 downloads. That's not going to do it. And I was talking with somebody, I wish I could remember their name at PodFest this week. And that person actually got to meet Seth Godin. And after launching their first book, when the author told Seth that he had no expectations for sales of his his book, Seth, who's this famous blogging guru, New York Times bestseller kind of guy, said, that's perfect. That's the best way to go at this, meaning have zero expectations. 
And if less than 10% of podcasters gain enough downloads to have a kind of major sponsor, again, that means that 90% don't. That's why I kind of get worried when I hear somebody go, I'm going to start a podcast and get ads. And not that you can't get ads without getting 10,000 downloads, but that's, uh, you know, not going to happen automatically. And for the record, that 10,000 download per episode, by the way, is what advertisers are looking for. And right now the average CPM, which is how many downloads you get per thousand is around 25. So that would be $250 for one ad. It's nice money, but if you only do one episode a week and you only have one ad in it, yeah, it's nice money, but don't quit your day job basically. Unless of course you're doing a daily show and things like that. But the other thing uh, with people wanting to share their numbers in Facebook groups, uh, again, that just robs you of your joy. And it is easier said than done. And again, why I can say this is I've had people start, who are friends of mine, by the way, they started after I started because, well, unless you're Evo Terra, everyone started after me. And in some cases, they've made tens, if not hundreds of times of more money than me. And I would be lying if I said that doesn't occasionally make me wonder, what's wrong with me? And so when everybody is going, oh, my gosh, it's Dave Jackson, I'm like, eh. There's a part of me that's like, eh, I'm not that good because I'm not as good as that guy or that woman, right? We all love to compare ourselves. The other thing that happens with entrepreneurs is you might feel trapped. And what I mean by this is you bought all this equipment, you really committed, and you followed all the best practices. Dave, I'm not putting episode numbers in my titles and I'm doing this and I'm writing the show notes and things like that. And maybe my show isn't growing as, as fast as I wanted. And uh, so what happens in that case, you start to freak out because you're like, look, I'm doing all the right things and it's not growing as fast. So what do you do? You take an action like switching media hosts, which I talked about a couple episodes ago, that that's really not going to get you more downloads. Or maybe one of my favorites, I'm going to buy more equipment because I've got this really good microphone and I'm going to swap it out for another really good microphone. I always kind of go, you know, if your audience isn't complaining about your audio, that's not the problem. And again, it's probably not going to grow your numbers. But uh, if I stop now, meaning if you're the person that's kind of panicking and you feel trapped, if I stop now, I will need to acknowledge that the podcast has failed. And I hate that word because failure is not a destination. I believe Zig Ziglar said that failure is not a destination. It's just a place you're cruising through. Uh, It's just because that just means you need to tweak something. But you're sitting there telling yourself, oh, if I I stop now, I'm going to look like an idiot and everybody's going to go, I failed. So you feel trapped. So you've got this person that's kind of creative. They're impulsive. They're kind of depressed. They're feeling trapped. And then, so what do they do? So now they need to fix their podcast And this always sounds kind of macho and gritty, but they'll do the whole like, well, I'm going to sleep when I'm dead. And I've been there, done that. And I'm here to tell you, it's not a good way to live. You know, it's supposed to be like, if you're not, if you're getting more than four hours sleep a night, you're not committed. No, no, don't believe. Oh, I want to swear. Don't believe that crap. And 
it's supposed to show you like you're real and I'm really dedicated. And uh, what if we shifted that to food? Food? Do I need food? I'll eat when I'm dead. Well, it's kind of the same way. If you don't sleep until you're dead, the same goes for food. Sleep is really just as important and, and maybe more than food. You do really stupid things when you're tired. Your body burns out and you don't get enough rest. And so this is where things like suicide creep in because, again, now you're stressed out. You feel trapped. You're comparing yourself to others. You're depressed. And you're like, ah, that's it. And I was looking into this, and it's like spooky. Between 1999 and 2018, suicide rates in the United States went up by 35%. The new CDC data that I did find, which included 99% of suicide deaths in 2020, showed a decrease, which was good to hear. But drops in suicide deaths among white men and women were the main forces behind a decline. And I, apparently this is both in 2019 and 2020, which again, it's good to hear. However, rates for white Americans declined by uh, 5%. That's the largest of any group, followed by 4% drop in Asian Americans. White men saw a 3% decrease, while white women overall saw a 10% decrease. The overall suicide rate among women declined 8% between 2019 and 2020, and 2% among men overall. Among younger Americans, and this is where I just want to cry, suicide rates increased slightly in all groups ages 10, 10 There are 10-year-olds committing suicide to 34, although the only significant increase was a 5% uptick among 25 to 34-year-olds. This is a report again from the CDC. Suicide rates were by far the highest among American Indians, which I am, I think, 16% or 32%, something like that. Uh, Alaska Natives, which increased by 5% in 2020 followed by white Americans, black Americans, Hispanic Americans. They all had similar rates of suicide. Uh, Black and Hispanic females had the lowest rates of suicide among the group, but those numbers don't show the whole picture. They said it's the first time the CDC had put together a report based on preliminary data. So I'm kind of happy to hear that things are going down, but they have gone up way too far. Uh, I guess anything is too far when you think about it. And they said that kids... Thanks to our good friend, social media are experiencing what's called astronomical rising rates of depression and suicidal thoughts in the last few years. And experts point to social media as one of the top culprits. Suicide is listed as the second leading cause of death in young people ages 10 to 24. And suicide rates have tripled in kids age 10 to 14. That is is hard to even read. That's since 2007. 67% of teens in 2015 felt the social media made them feel worse about their own lives. And so out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 800, I do have links to things like goodtherapy.org, openpathcollective.org, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, mentalhealth.org, all sorts of places that you can find affordable mental health help. And you can also call the suicide prevention line uh, at 800-273-8255. And I wanted to say, I realize 
that you might be thinking, and there is a stigma, unfortunately, with therapy. Now, I mentioned earlier, I spent six years in marriage therapy. I don't know, right? You never say never, but I would think the next time, if ever, I get in a relationship, I'm going to be a much better partner because I have all this training and insights. I'm not going to be perfect by any means because nobody is, but it is something that I can definitely say I will be a better partner than I was before. Now, the other thing I thought I would share here is just to, again, pull back the curtain and say, look, we all paint that picture on Facebook that everything is fine, and it's not. And it's okay to not be okay. I don't want you to not be okay, but I'm just here to say it happens. We're not all perfect. And so it was really weird to me that I just kept having these weird sessions where I would just want to cry. And I met with somebody at betterhelp.com. And if you want to try this, uh, go over to whatwasthatlike.com. I know Scott has them as a sponsor. Uh, Might as well use his link. And it's weird because 32 years, yes, 32 years after my mom passed away, I had some things bubble up from the surface. And what it was, just to kind of, not that you really care, but it's weird because you know how you always hear if somebody dies, you always have them go, oh, I wish I could have had just like one, one more conversation with them. I got to do that. I had that bedtime speech with my mom. The problem was I was 24 years old and I didn't know what a great mom she was because I was 24. I'm a dumb kid. And so as I've gotten older and I really, truly have a better understanding of just like, oh, I thought she was a great mom before. Now that I've actually like I'm three years younger than she was when she died and I have a whole different perspective. And that really bugged me because I wanted to do a do over. I was like, wait, can I go back to being 24 and do that speech again? And I guess that bugged me. And so I, I met with this person on BetterHelp, and she recommended this book, links in the show notes, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 800. It was called The Grief Recovery Handbook. And I read it, and what was really interesting about it was everything I've learned about grief is crap. It really is. So first of all, the, the first myth about grief was don't feel bad. Oh, don't feel bad. She's in a better place, if that's something you believe. Well, okay, but that doesn't really make you, it doesn't eliminate the pain uh, or just replace the loss. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Here, have a puppy, you know, or, or you know what? I'm just going to grieve alone. Like, leave me alone. I need to go. No, no, you need to be around people. Um, just give it time. Time heals all wounds. Guess what? <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. Okay. And then the other thing, this is one I fell into. Be strong for others. That's That's how you deal through grief. Well, yeah. It's great that you're helping others, but uh, what about helping you? And then this is the other one that I'm just so guilty of is keeping busy. Uh, yeah, I turned into a giant workaholic. And so after, you know, talking with this person, now for the record, I'm not cured. I do have a much better attitude about it. I just came to the conclusion, oh, I get it now. You know what? Death just kind of sucks. And that's just the way it is. But don't hesitate to reach out if you're feeling, if something's bugging you and it just doesn't go away, reach out and get some help. And that doesn't always need to be 
some sort of counselor. That could just be a good friend. Uh, this past weekend, my best friend from forever, I've known him since I was uh, 11, was in town, and he recently lost his dad. And so we talked a lot about losing your parents, and it's kind of weird because we both kind of noticed that we've got a couple aunts and uncles left, and we, like my one uncle's 97. And once I lose my aunts and uncles, we're down to cousins, and after that, guess what? Who's next? Yeah. So it's kind of weird when you think stuff like that. So talking to other people can help. And so what I wanted to do today was peel back the curtain a little bit and say podcasting isn't all puppy dogs and rainbows. And I realize as a podcast consultant, that's not really the message I probably should be sending out. And I guess if somebody ever said, what would I want people to say about me? and the school of podcasting is Dave never shoveled stuff. Shall we say at you? I always told the truth. I always set realistic expectations and you, you could trust what I was saying. You'll see in the show notes at school podcasting.com slash 800. I've got all sorts of links to different things that I've been researching to uh, bring up this particular episode and make it uh, something that, I wanted to share. Uh, Speaking of that, I have spent, he said, pulling it up. I'm at uh, three hours and 32 minutes of this 52-minute podcast, and uh, I haven't done show notes yet or any editing. But if you would like to add to this discussion that we're going to be doing at the end of the month here, I need your answer by November 26, 2021. How much time did you spend to go from idea to pressing uh, publish on your media host. I would love that. Just go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash questions. So I hope you learned something from this episode. I hope you found out that it's okay to not be okay, but we're all trying to be okay. Don't give up. I heard a phrase once that obviously somebody that commits suicide is in a lot of pain and they feel that If they kill themselves, the pain stops, and it doesn't. They've just basically handed it to everyone who is still around. And again, I'll have links to all those different places you can call. And the other side of this, I guess I should put in, is something I did a couple years ago. I started this, and I'm glad I did. And that is in Gmail, which is what I use to, even if you email me, Dave at school com, everything ends up in Gmail. And I created, I think it's a, I think they call them labels. And if somebody sends me some sort of nice comment or something on how my show touched them or something of that nature, they, they've done something that I would affectionately refer to as putting gas in my tank. I always mark that and save it. Because there are going to be those days when you're like, Ugh, why am I even doing this? It's a waste of time or whatever. But you know that why, that you want to keep pushing through. But for, you know, we're all human. Pull out those emails, maybe even print them out if you want. And when I was in PodFest this week, both Lee Silverstein, who just retired the We Have Cancer podcast, and Glenn the Geek Hebert, I might have him come on. Uh, and share some of those, but he got some emails and look, I'm in a spare bedroom right now 
in Akron, Ohio, and there's somebody in Denmark right now listening to this show. There's somebody in Rwanda and wherever, Kazakhstan or something, who knows, and you have no idea how much you are affecting their life. And both Glenn and Lee got these phenomenal emails. And I'm just here, again, to give you a tip to help you push through and to keep going, and that is save those. Because there are going to be those days when you're starting to run out of gas. And when you read those emails and you go, oh, yeah, what's it do? It brings you back to your why, brings you back to the who, brings you back to the what, and keeps you going because I truly believe that podcasting can make the world a better place, especially if your voice is in it. You are you need to be heard. There are so many people that are underserved in the world, and that's, to me, the magic of podcasting is that anybody can start a podcast. Some might say the, the bad news of podcasting is anybody can start a podcast, but I think that's the good news. I don't want you to be on the sidelines going, why am I always the person on the outside? I'm like, no, no, come here, grab my hand. Let me get you on the inside and help you get your voice out. Because I'm here to tell you, there's somebody that needs to hear your message. And before you know it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it. And you look up and you go, holy crap, I've done 800 of these things. (laughs) All right, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much. I I know some of you have heard all 800. That's amazing. If you subscribe to the show, I think all but a few are in there. I pulled out some that were just completely outdated and made no sense. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe will take you there. It's free, and you can subscribe and get all the past episodes if you want to check them out. The first ones are really awful, by the way, and that's just the way it goes. Schoolofpodcasting.com, use the coupon code LISTENER. And in the future, I think in the next week's episode, I'm going to talk about some ways that you can speed up your production. And then uh, the week after that is will be the deadline where you put in what uh, how long it's taking you. And then on the 29th, I'll be sharing what you put in. We'll be sharing all the results of that. We can find out maybe what to expect. And then we'll talk about When you build a house, right, you need a basement, maybe, do you? And then you build a house and, oh, you need siding, or do you? So maybe the reason your show is taking so long is you're doing stuff that maybe, right now, you don't have to do. That'll be coming in the future. Until then, thanks so much for joining me on my mission to buff out the boring of your podcast with a little podcast polish there schoolofpodcasting.com. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Thanks so much for joining me on my mission to buff out the boring with a little podcast polish of your uh, show. That doesn't make any sense. And on these episodes, I like to break... Jeez, I'm repeating myself. I wanted to talk about some things that are... And also, okay, yeah, easy for me to say, Dave. You want to spit that out? So uh, thank you for taking time to download the podcast. Stay why subscribed. Do I, if you why do like I sound like to this contact now? me, simply uh, <laughs> you know, send me an email. Send me an email. At schoolofpodcasting 
at gmail.com. And, um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I'll read your email here. Why do I sound like this? Podcast. So, my voice has gotten very deeper. Much, and we will see you soon. We will. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.